I got so many verses. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Um, Luke, the 12th chapter. We're talking about the importance of asking. The importance of asking. We've said that faith will flourish in an understanding heart. And if it'll flourish in an understanding heart, we see the opposite is is also true, that in a heart that's hardened, for example, um, a heart that is uh, dull of hearing, a heart that um, is uh, selfish, a heart that is confused, um, faith will hardly work at all in a heart that's in that condition. And so we see that when it comes to Father God working in our lives, He makes it abundantly clear in His Word that we need to ask Him. And we've spent a few weeks now looking into the scriptures as to why that is the case. And some of the conclusions that we've reached include, and I think this is the most important one, is that more than anything, he wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know him. The the real blessing, the real privilege, the real opportunity here is not just getting something you need from God or getting something you want from God. It's getting Him. It's it's having Him, um, you know, in your life and you having the same opportunities for oneness and fellowship and communion with Him that Jesus enjoys. The same access. Remember now, he he invites you to come boldly to the throne of grace. To ask and what? Find help in time of need. Now, there are so many of God's children, they they don't come in boldly. They, They come in talking about how unworthy they are and how undeserving they are. They come in... Um, trying to negotiate with God. If you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you, and, and, and all these other things. Again, he says you either have not because you ask not, or you have not because you ask, but you ask amiss. Meaning what? Your, your focus is off. Your, your asking is wrong. You're coming from the wrong heart, from the wrong attitude. We were talking at the end of discipleship class that Father does what He does for us because He loves us. He's not a man. Don't treat Him like a man. People on this earth, not everybody, I shouldn't say that, but a lot, most of the people on this earth, they have an agenda. They do something for you, they help you in some way, and some will just write out, come right out and say it, others think it but may not say it, that now you're in their debt. You owe me. 
Sometimes even somebody will do something for us and we'll say something to the effect of, I owe you one. Well, certainly help your neighbor, help your friend. Help people that don't help you, help people that do help you. But don't trivialize and minimize what people do for you as if their motive was to simply put you in their debt. That is not why God does for us what he does for us. He does for us what he does for us because he loves us. To repent means to think differently. It's a Greek compound word that means metanous, a new condition of mind. And, of course, understanding in the heart, the way we understand, the way we see things. The body of Christ needs some repentance in this area. We, we, we need some renewed uh, thinking, a renewed mind, a different understanding in this area. Do you realize how many people, and they're God's people, they're God's children. I'm not, I'm not here to beat anybody up or bash anybody, uh, but I'm, I am here to try to help people because there, there, there are so many folks who think, you know, that whatever happens is God's will. And, and you know, there are some who even believe there's no need to even pray because God's going to do what God's going to do regardless. And, and, of course, nothing can be further from the truth in what we see in the scriptures. You hear some that, you know, we're going to take it by force. We're going we're gonna to bombard the gates of heaven. You know, like we've got to do some kind of assault on heaven to, to try to steal from something. See, again, we're asking amiss. The Bible says that the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Jesus used that expression to communicate how people were trying to press into the kingdom of God before access to the kingdom was available because access to the kingdom would not be available until Jesus died on the cross and covered our sins and gave us the opportunity to be born again. You do not have to take by force what you've been born into. So do we have to have an attitude towards the enemy? Do we have to have a, a militant attitude towards the enemy? Do we have to um, you know, take a stand um, and be forceful um, you know, against the enemy? Absolutely. But, but don't confuse that same approach and attitude um, to how somehow we have to, you know, talk that way to God. We don't have to storm the gates of heaven. Um, you, you're already seated there. But again, it's, it's, notice everything that I'm talking about here has to do with a wrong understanding of, of how these things um, work. Um, how many people beg God, doesn't want you to beg him, but not only does he not want you to beg him, how many people beg God for things that he's already given to them? Beg God for things that he's, he's already done for them, he's already blessed them with. But again, they don't, key word here, understand. They don't understand 
that they've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that they've already been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, that by his stripes they were healed. They don't understand that? So we keep begging God to do things and making deals with God and, and you know, slithering in on our bellies, you know, uh, when he says, come boldly, come boldly. But now, see, here's the thing. You, and I, and I'm, the Lord has been teaching me so much about trust, and I, I am so excited about sharing that with you, and it, it's really hard for me not to get over into some of that um, tonight. But the two are related in this, in this sense. Because, again, the real prize here is him, not what he can do for you, not what he can give you. Obviously, he has done for and us a lot of things and given to us a lot of things. But there are a lot of folks who, want, who only want what God can do for, for them, only want what God will give to them, and, and don't really want him or don't really know that they can have him in their life on a, on a daily basis. Okay. And, and so remember, what is it, that change of heart, that change of mind, that new understanding, um, repentance, what draws a, a man or a woman to repent? It's the goodness of God. It's, you know, God is, is good to people um, and blesses people um, and, and, and um, does things for people. Are, are you hearing me? I'm not, if, you know, this, if, if, if you're thinking that I'm saying, you know, you've got to dot every I and cross every T or God ain't going to do anything for you. My friend, he's been doing things for us before we ever even knew we were in this world. Are you hearing me? He... He does all kinds of stuff for us that we never recognize or acknowledge. Hoping, hopefully we're getting better at recognizing his hand in our lives. And, and, you know, we sing those songs, I need you more, I need you more, I need you more. No, we've always needed him. We're just growing up enough to realize how much we've needed him and how much he's been there um, for us. So, you know, this idea that, you know, I, it's been a while since so I've shared the story, but when, when my uh, grandfather, my, um, my mother's dad, um, he, he, was, uh, he, he was a rough man. Um, didn't get born again until he was 65 years old. Um, but uh, through uh, the gifts of the Spirit working in, a, in another man's life, um, he called my grandfather out of a service. Uh, it was so hard to get him to church. And, um, and he was there that night. And uh, it was the center aisle, two sections, center aisle. The, the, the minister walked down the aisle to our row. My grandfather was seated, seated on the far, as far away from that aisle as you can get, you know. But there was no, there was no other section. Or he was over against the wall. And he walked to my grandfather's row and he pointed to my grandfather and he said, Come here, Dad, tonight is your night. And my grandfather's like, looking around, who, who are you talking to? Right? And he said it again. And he's like, me? And I'm like, Lord, don't let him cuss this man out. Don't let, you know, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, don't punch him. Yeah, you know. Because my grandfather kind of got embarrassed. But he got up. He walked out in the center aisle. What that, that man never met any of us. Didn't, never met my grandfather at all. But my grandfather had a bulldozer turn over on him, and he, he didn't go see a doctor, messed up his shoulder. Shoulder hurt him constantly, all the time. Um, 
he always told me he had bursitis in it. I don't know what that was or not, but anyway. And um, that man, that minister told my grandfather, he said, um, told him about the pain in his shoulder. And he told him, he said, it'll never hurt you again. And he reached up and just touched my grandfather. I can still see my grandfather was, you know, had hair on the side but bald on the top. And the lights were shining on his head. And I can close my eyes and still see that man's finger going and touching my grandfather's head. And when he touched my grandfather's head, it was like he hit my grandfather in the head with a ball-peen hammer. I'm telling you. And the Lord healed my grandfather that night. The Lord healed. Now, obviously, my mother had been praying for him since she was five years old. But the point I'm trying to make is that was the grace and mercy of God doing something in my grandfather's life. My grandfather didn't know to believe God for healing and all this other stuff. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? So don't, don't get this idea from me that if, if you don't have all your faith ducks in a row, God ain't going to help you, ain't going to do anything for you. He is constantly helping us. He is constantly doing things for us, okay? But what we're interested in here is growing up, right? What we're interested in here is, is not just God meeting our needs and, and, and giving us what we want, but we want to partner together with God to see other people's needs being met and other people's desires being fulfilled as, as we represent him as, as his body, as, as the body of Christ in the earth. Can somebody at least give me a Baptist nod or something on that right there? You know, you, you, you crash your life into the ditch and God will get you out of the ditch. You crash your life into the ditch again, God will get you out of the ditch again. But what he's most interested in is teaching you how to not ever crash your life into the ditch. He, he's the God of the bailout. He's bailed me out many a times. He's bailed you out many a times. Amen. But again, he's wanting us to progress from that level of relationship with him. He's wanting us to grow and develop and mature. And so his goodness in our lives is intended to bring us to a, a new understanding of Him. Are you seeing this? Taste and see that He's good. Taste and see that He's good. And there are going to be people stand before Him, you know, that, and, and you know, talk about how it's not fair and all this stuff. And I believe it'll be just like a movie reel playing. All the times that God has let them taste of His goodness in, in an effort to try to get them to think about Him differently. And, 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 and give him the time of day, so to speak. So, when it comes to you and me, you know, we've, we've looked at this whole, the importance of asking, and how clearly God in his word instructs us to ask. And then we've looked at why it is important for us to ask. But we still have folks, because I tend to be one of them, and I'm not proud of that. I know it's a weakness, and I'm, I'm working on it, and I'm getting better at it, okay? But we still have people who have this attitude that I hate to ask. Am I the only one? I hate to ask. And so why, why do we not ask then? That, see, so we've, we've looked at why it's important for us to ask and what God's looking for there, because ultimately... He, he wants to work together with you. He wants you to get to know him. See, we, 
you've got so many people trying to trust God who don't really know God. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm just saying they don't really know him. They, 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 and, and so it's very, very hard to trust somebody that you don't have any history with, that you, that you, that you hadn't, uh, um, I, I know it's probably, you know, worldly or secular or whatever, um, but uh, um, Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, I think it was one of the last duets they ever recorded together um, before he passed. And I don't know if you ever heard the song. It's a beautiful song. Um, and it's, it's called You Can't Make Old Friends. Have you ever heard that song? You can't make old friends. You can make a new friend. But it takes some history for, an old, for a new friend to become an old friend. Are you hearing me? Right? See, God's got a lot of new friends that he wants to become old friends with him. But the only way you can become an old friend is the shoe leather, so to speak. In other words, you you you, you got to invest the time. You you got to include him. You got to spend some. You got. Are you following what I'm saying? Right. But see, that's where the trust is developed. That's that's where the knowing is uh, is developed um, in our lives when. Brother Jerry O'Dell's daughter, um, it, it was a shock to everyone. She, she had, I think it was pneumonia. She went to the doctor and they misdiagnosed her, sent her home, and just, just a young mother, I mean, just died unexpectedly, went home to be with Jesus. And, um, of course, he was heartbroken about that. And we were talking, and I, I wish, I wish I could almost just replay the conversation. But I was just trying to be a friend to him and encourage him and love him, and, and he, of course, very gracious always to me. But at the end of it, he he said he said these words, and I'm going to paraphrase. He said these words to me. He said, Pastor Mark. He said, I am hurting, and there are parts of this that I don't understand. He said, but I've walked with the Lord for far too long to start questioning him now, start doubting him now, start thinking about turning my back on him now. In other words, what is he saying? He's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't get this, I don't understand this. And obviously, it doesn't mean it's not understandable, but the, the point I'm trying to make is there was such a rich history of the Lord being so faithful to him and him knowing the faithfulness of God for so many years in his life that it didn't shake his trust. It didn't shake his trust. See, that, I think more than any other message in the book of Job, is that no matter what happened that Job didn't understand, he did not quit trusting God. Did not. He did not stop believing that God was good and that, and that God would work all this out for him in the end, and he did. Are you seeing this? Amen. So it's, it's like, you know, Father does these things for us, so good to us, but do you see how he's trying to draw us in even to something better, right? 
and, and that's to know him and to have him in our lives. So why ask, why do we not ask? And I think it's multiple reasons, praise God. Um, I think one of the, I started to ask you if I could just talk to you for a minute, but that's what I've been doing for 30 minutes, so I guess it's okay. I mean, um, I, I think, here, here's, here's a, here's, I'll just pour my heart out to you on some of my reasons, okay? For me, number one, um, I have seen ministers over the years that played on people's sympathies to the point that they wanted you to feel sorry for them so that you would help them. And that's not me. Are you hearing me? It's not me because it's not, it's not Jesus. Right. But what happens, though, is the other, because sometimes just in my own life and growth and development, um, what's, what's happened to me is I see, I see an error way over here on this side, and I tend to swing all the way over here as far away from that as I can and pass, you know, where I probably should have wound up somewhere about right in here. Are you with me? Anybody besides me ever not asked because you told yourself people know that I need the help, right? God knows that I need the help. But see, listen, it's, it's a little more sensitive to talk about asking other people for help, but don't kid yourself. The same reasons you're not comfortable asking other people for help are the same reasons you're not comfortable asking him for help, right? So we, we had this idea. It's like, well, you know, they know I'm down here doing this. You know? And see, if you're not careful now, you'll start that whole pity party and blah, 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 blah right? It's what the devil's trying to draw you into. Right? <clears throat> this, this has been a big one for me, all right, as well. Um, how many of you have never asked out of a fear of rejection? Fear of rejection. Again, I know this isn't healthy, and it's, prob- it's probably doing me very good to just kind of confess some of this. That's another one for me. Um, fear of rejection. If I ask, they may tell me no, and I don't want to be told no. And so fear of rejection is another big reason why we don't ask. I left out probably one of the number one reasons people don't ask when they should, and that's pride. They don't want people to know that they are in need of help or in need of something, and so, um, you know, we kind of jerk ourselves up by the bootstrap and have that stiff upper lip, and, and, and so, you know, we need help, but we don't ask for help because we don't want people to know that we're in a place of need. And you can polish that any way you want to try to polish it, but at the end of the day, it's still nothing more than just pride, right? In other words, if, if mom and I were having a conversation um, Sunday afternoon after the sermon, and she was talking about, you know, when, when you really trust God, you're in a place of humility. It's humbling. I mean, when you, when, 
when, when you put all your eggs in his basket, right, you, you will never do that and be prideful at the same time. Now, you may tell people you've done that so that they'll think, you, you follow what I'm saying? Um, unfortunately, I've seen a few folks over the years that just try to impress everybody with how spiritual they are and all the time bragging about this and bragging about that. But when you, when you genuinely put your trust in, in, in him, and as mama says, she don't have a plan B. You know, there's only plan A, right? That's very humbling. See, to, to be dependent upon somebody else is humbling, <laughs> right? To be dependent upon somebody else is humbling. I, I watched Pam care for her dad for, you know, all those years. And, and you know, he needed 24-hour-a-day care. I mean, I, you know, I mean, just, I won't go into all the details, but you probably understand what all that involved, you know. And, and so, again, it's one thing when you're a baby, maybe that's my answer, because I've been asking the Lord, why, I want, I want Oliver to remember all the things between one and two and a half, or whenever he realizes he's in the world, right? Listen, I know I talk too much about him, probably, but not enough at the same time. He got on this roll with Pam yesterday, talking about what he was going to do. He's starting preschool. He's talking about what he was going to do if any of his classmates were hurting. And first thing he's going to do is he's going to lay his hand on their head. Right? You see, again, it's priceless. You know, um, I talked to uh, Israel Mason about it. You know, she's studying to be a psychologist. She goes, oh, Pastor Mark, you know how she's so smart. She goes, oh, Pastor Mark, that's called infantile amnesia. I said, oh, okay. I said, I just call it not remembering stuff when you're a baby, but infantile, and I got it, you know. I got it. So, um, I, but I, I, want, I want him to um, remember all this stuff, right? But maybe that's one reason why we don't remember it, right? Because somebody's got to change our diapers and somebody's got to do all that, you know. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm being silly now. But it's one thing when you're a baby and you don't remember it. It's another thing when you're an adult and you become physically dependent like that on, on somebody else. It's, it's very, very humbling. Very, very humbling. Amen or on me? Right? So, pride, I think, is another reason why, why people don't ask. And, and it's very deceptive there because it, it's very easy for us to consider that version of pride to be humility. Right? You know? You ever met somebody that was so stinking proud of how humble they were? It's true, though, right? It's true. And so they say they're, they're too humble to ask, but when in reality is they're too prideful to ask. I think this is a big one. I think Matt may have commented on this a couple of weeks back. You know, um, it, the, the big word like mayonnaise is empathy. And I'll, I'll say that that's probably one for me as well. Empathy is when you put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And so the idea behind not asking for empathy is you don't want to impose on somebody else. You don't want to, to put them out. Right? That's a big one. It's a big one for me. But when it comes to other people, you realize that by not giving them a choice to do something for you and receive blessing from God for doing that, you just went ahead and made that decision for them. In other words, you, you took the opportunity 
um, uh, you know, away from them. I think I've shared this before. Dr. Mark Barkley, he speaks every year at the minister's conference. And um, he's talking about the ministry of helps. And, and that's a thing in the Bible, right? Where, you know, helping with things in the church. And, and um, he had, uh, I forget what it was, something had stuck to his shoe, something on his shoe. And, um, and his uh, head usher at the church was, um, was cleaning the, his shoe, and he wouldn't let him do it. He wouldn't let him do it. And, and, and finally he said, you know, sir, with all due respect, um, I don't stop you from doing what you're called to do. This is, this is my job. This is what I'm called to do, right? And, and so he realized, you know, this was, in, but notice now, I'm not, don't anybody get nervous, okay? But see, that's the whole deal like of a foot washing, right? Anybody here raised Pentecost when you do the foot washing, you know what I'm saying? My mom talked about one of her first experiences with foot washings, and the ladies were washing their feet, but they still had their stockings on. And she's like, I don't understand that. Is that like a, that's like a three-quarter foot washing? Or, or maybe, I don't know, stockings washed and the feet washed, right? But notice there's some connections there, right? I just tell you straight up, I would much rather be the washer than the washee. See? And Peter, remember what Peter said, oh, you'll never wash my feet, Jesus. Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you won't have any part in me. And so then he goes, here goes that pendulum, right? He goes from no washing feet to wash every part of me, wash my whole body. But that's a, see, that's another one of those things. We, we tend to think how other people may receive or hear the request or, or what have you. So again, we, um, we don't ask. Amen. Well, here's the verse, and I'm about out of time, but let's, um, let's look at it. Luke 12 and 32. He says, Do not fear, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, fear is a reason for people um, to not ask, fear of rejection. But fear can also, and this is the two-edged sword of fear, fear can also become um, a wrong motivation for asking. Are you, you understand what I'm saying like that? In other words, did Father tell us to ask in fear or did he tell us to ask in faith? Right? So, you know, there are some folks who um, wait until the, you know, they don't have any other option. And so now they're going to cry out to God in a state of panic. I'm not saying you won't hear them or help them. But again, that's not his best. So he says, don't fear, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I think one thing that will help us in our asking Father God for things that we, not just what we need, remember, what we want and what we need, both. I think one of the things that will help us in our asking is for our minds to be renewed that He actually enjoys 
he actually takes pleasure in giving good things to us. Now see, the devil never wants you to think of him like that. But this is indeed your heavenly father. Father God enjoys giving you the things you need and want. I didn't, I didn't mention this last week. I talked some along these lines in, in how it works you know, in, in my family. Um, but if I can come up with something to surprise Pam with, I, I like. In other words, I, that's one of my favorite gifts to give somebody is something that they are surprised by but are like really excited about. In other words, you can surprise somebody and they're like, ugh, you know. No, I'm talking about a good surprise. Okay. But right up there alongside the, the surprise is if she, or for that matter, you know, my, my children, whatever, if they communicate to me something that they really want. There's something about giving a gift to somebody that you know they really, truly want. See, this is this back to why ask, right? So communicating that. So Father enjoys giving you the things you need and want. Let me give you this same passage in the New Living Translation. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness. That just kind of puts it in a different perspective right there. It makes him happy to give you the kingdom. Here's the Passion Translation. So don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving Father joyously gives you his kingdom realm with all its promises. Can we go through a few more of these right quick? And I'll pray here. Give me, let, me, let me give you one more. This is one of my favorites. Romans 8.32. Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If, if you ever come to one of those crazy ideas about asking God and are reluctant to ask him for something, take a step back, take a deep breath, and quote this verse. If he gave you his son, if he did not withhold because there was nothing else that would help us. Nothing else would do for us. Only Jesus could do for us what needed to be done for us. If there was any other way, then Father would have surely taken it. This was the only way, and yet he did not withhold him. If he did not withhold his only son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. Amen. The next time you're reluctant to ask, remind yourself of this verse. All right, stand with me. Praise God. One last thing. James chapter 1, verse 5. I asked you last week, what have you been asking for? I'm not wanting you to shout it out to me. I'm just challenging you. If you're not asking, you should be. And ask Father to teach you how to ask. Are you hearing me? We need to learn this. There's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. He's the teacher. Ask him to teach you. 
maybe something you've been asking him for that hasn't uh, developed yet in your life. Ask him, Father, am I, am I asking incorrectly? Is there something I need to, to, to change here? Let him teach you how he's taught us how to worship him, right? Think if we didn't have in the scriptures specific instructions on how to worship. Well, we may be doing all kind of crazy stuff like heathen people do. But no, he's told us, he taught us how, what's acceptable. And he'll teach you how to ask. Okay? But here is James 1.5. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it'll be given to him. If you can't come up with any other thing to ask God for, ask him for wisdom. Ask him for wisdom. I'm, I'm not sure um, if there's really, maybe outside of salvation and the Holy Spirit and stuff like that, but there are a few things, let me say it that way, thank you Holy Spirit, there are a few things you can sincerely ask him for that will make him any happier, right? It's that old, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach him how to fish, right? Ask him to give you wisdom, amen, and he will, amen. Father, thank you for our time together this evening, thank you for this wonderful day that you've blessed us with. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful family of faith. Lord, we are, we are truly, truly, truly a blessed people. Thank you, Father, for protecting us. Lord, we pray over um, those that um, um, just out in busy, crowded places. Lord, we thank you for your protection um, over them. Um, Lord, for friends of this family of faith that are recovering, Lord, we pray over them as well. We thank you, Father, for working in and through our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Tell somebody around you good things coming. Thank you for being here.